0: I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast, and part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
1: This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris and SP.
0: Welcome to an all-new episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Steven John Drew, and I am pleased to say Chris Farrell's here this week. Yo. Also, Stargate Pioneers here.
2: Chris, college football, fall 2020, you in for it?
3: Uh, If it happens, sure, but so far it's one Power 5 conference that said no. I'm sure the rest are about to say no. Okay.
0: And that's been talking Sports with Chris and SP. Uh, hey, uh, we teased this last week. We're so happy that she decided to come back to the chaos g- chaos again once more this week. Uh, thank you very much, Michelle Ely, for joining us again this week. We completely botched. I completely botched your segment last week and didn't allocate enough time. I should have just been rude. Chris should have started to talk about his news point. I should have said, that's enough, and moved on. So I apologize, Michelle.
4: It's okay. We were having fun. It's not like this is David Letterman.
0: Yeah, we don't get paid that much. I was going to say, there, there is a serious pay problem here. And I'm the one I've, that... I've been saying that for five years, Stephen.
4: And that's a really old joke. That really dates me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like David Letterman has been on the air for years. Man, wow.
2: He was actually at a show in my town last weekend.
4: He has an awesome beard.
2: He's he really great. He was at a Chappelle uh, charity concert.
0: Also, uh, he had some really weird interviews over the years, too, uh, which I don't believe we've had any of those yet, but guests that were just completely off the rocker. Um, we haven't had that yet. Really? What are you talking about? We had Andrew on. Yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> that one's for you, Andrew. <laughs> all right. Well, if you didn't know this, we do this as a podcast. We we have the podcast version where you can listen to it after the fact and you can hear it. But we also do stream this live on YouTube. We've got a Gunna Geek YouTube channel and we do a little bit of editing to it and we put it all together and we post it after. So if you do like it on YouTube, please subscribe on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Gunna Geek and smash that subscribe bell. Is that how you do it? Is that what you say? Uh, you gotta subscribe hit, you gotta, bell. you gotta hit the subscribe button and smash that notification bell. Thank you. That's better. All right, Michelle e. Lee. You are going to start us off with your news this week for very, very good reasons because I don't trust myself to manage time again properly. So let's start it off with yours this week. It's going to be all about the Emmys. Now, I've been looking forward to this all week talking about this because I didn't actually know that the Emmys were were even happening in any form. I thought they were just going to be another cancelled event. And it's interesting to see some of these nominations that are on there. So I'll let you walk us through this and then I think we'll just all interject where we would like to comment on different things and some of the things we might just brush over like uh where there was certain major networks that really did a poor performance and it should be highlighted how poorly they did but we'll just let that go
4: sure all right well this isn't every single nomination uh we are a geeky podcast so i did uh try to stick to geeky shows first i want to talk about like platforms, and there's always the whole which network got the biggest, largest nominations and such. Well, this year, that honor goes to Netflix with 160 nominations. Coming in second place is HBO with 107. Coming in third is NBC with 47.
0: That's a little bit different than Netflix. Um... Hmm. You said 160 for Netflix and NBC with 47. Hmm. Netflix probably
3: puts more content out in a year now than NBC does. I was going to say,
2: I I wasn't going to call Michelle out in the carpet here because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. But what I would be interested in seeing is the total hours of content produced per award. I would really like to see that. And of course, we're, we're not going to talk about that here. But if anybody has that data as we go forward in the next week or two, I would love to get that percentage.
0: I also would like to just highlight, though, that the one that follows this is probably makes a lot less content, I think. I don't know. But uh, let's see what Michelle has after the national bad channel. I mean, national or I mean, NBC. Uh, what else is on this list?
4: Uh, Prime has 30 nominations. Hulu has 26. And our brand new platform this year, Disney Plus, comes in with 19 nominations.
3: 15 of those come from one place. I, think, is I that know. Is. We're going to talk about that.
2: Hmm, how many original shows has Disney Plus had since they opened up, though? Not that many. So that's yeah, a pretty good batting average.
4: I mean, think about it. One show, I mean, Prime has 30. I mean, this is... You know, it's it, it, yes, it's one show. We'll talk about it, but still, it's 19 nominations. It's not bad for a platform that just came on this year.
0: I so also Steve, think it's worth highlighting that Prime is right in that era. Remember, Netflix had that era where they were just like had so much crap content, and you had to filter through it. But they're throwing so many well, originals out there just to fill fill some of that streaming two, niche. That's where Prime's at right now, and and. They got a few less than NBC, so Net- I think Netflix. they deserve a pat on the back there.
3: Netflix hasn't really left that, though, either. Remember, this is the <laughs> same company that put out a show called Floor is Lava
0: <laughs> just recently. It's a fun show.
3: You knock it off. It's fun and dumb, but it is certainly not going to win you an Emmy Award. <laughs> it's also the same one that put out like their fake route. Well, not fake, but their show called The Circle that was all about like fake Facebook-like friendship accounts and trying to figure out whether if you pretend to be a real person or a fake person, you can make people like you. There's some real trash on Netflix. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy trash content, but let's not pretend that everything Netflix puts out is high-grade high cinema, high-grade programming. Okay, fair. No, 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 no. They know people want to watch the trash, too. <laughs> so, Stephen,
2: I, I just have to ask, because you know, you're up in Canada and, and you just, just seem to love CBS shows. Did CSI get any nominations?
0: Uh, I don't think there are CSIs on any, on, there are no CSIs uh, on, uh, <sniffs> let me say that again. There are no CSI series currently being made.
2: Are there any nominations for Survivor?
0: Uh, probably not because Survivor did its thing how many years ago? Well, they're Survivor's, still going.
4: Survivor's still on the air.
0: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Are there any
2: nominations can- for Big Brother?
4: Why are you like thinking
0: like I love CBS? Uh, Because you you love all these CBS shows that I'm talking about. I I, I don't love all these CBS shows. I may think you two both were full of yourselves putting on on your, I'm not buying CBS All Access to Watch Star Trek. But I'm not going to sit here and do that right now on this show. Oh, wait, I did.
3: I'm pretty sure I said I'd probably cave to watch Picard. (laughs) True story. I caved to watch Picard and canceled it. Well, yeah, except for
2: Patrick Stewart gave you a month free.
4: (laughs) It's true.
0: All right. Well, let's keep going on with this. Uh, Michelle, what else did you want to highlight?
4: Okay. I wanted to go into some individual programs. The show that has the most nominations was actually on HBO uh, called Watchmen. I did not get to see this yet. I haven't subscribed to HBO. I need to do that one month where I have the one month thing so I can binge stuff. Uh, It actually has 26. Nominations, first Outstanding Limited Series, lead actress uh, Regina King, who is a phenomenal actor. It's good to see her get nominated again. Lead actor Jeremy Irons, who plays Ozymandias, supporting actress Jean Smart. I did not know Jean Smart was in this show. I, that, that's great. I, I loved her in Legion. So that's another reason why I think I need to watch this show. She played Agent Lori Blake. Supporting actor, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Yah yeah. Abdul-Mateen II, who plays Dr. Manhattan, um, also in, also nominated, in that is Lu- Louis Gossett Jr. and Jovan Adepo. So there's three people from that show in that same category. Uh, directing for three episodes, writing, editing for three episodes, cinematography, two episodes, uh, production design, original music, casting, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects, music supervision, costumes, main title design, and music composition. So that's where the 26 comes in.
0: This one's really interesting to me um, because I I haven't seen Watchmen, but um, I heard... Lots of people talk about it, but I feel like it still just kind of slid under the radar for many. So I, I like I, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't this big like there didn't seem to be this massive, massive push behind it that we saw with some other shows, <laughs> Game of Thrones, things like that. Uh, so it's surprising to me. And I'm excited about this because I was planning on, on watching it. And now I know that it's good. Bear watch, man.
2: If you happen to have HBO, it was promoted all over the service. I watched it because I was going to get rid of HBO. I'm like, okay, what's on HBO that I need to watch before I get rid of it? And Watchmen was like the one thing left because I had my fill of Game of Thrones, whatever. So I watched Watchmen and it was really an amazing show. It is is not, it's like post-Watchmen. It's not like the Watchmen comic that you know. It's better. It's amazing. Gene Smart basically plays the same character that she played in Legion. Maybe it's just Gene Smart and it's the characters she plays, but it was amazing. Lewis Gossett Jr. was also amazing. I actually watched an interview with him just recently, and his whole life story is amazing if you've ever seen him. And Regina Knight played, or Regina King, excuse me, played a fantastic sister Knight. So if you haven't seen The Watchmen, this is worth a watch.
0: It's worth a watch, man.
2: I knew you were going to make that joke. That's why I left well, Chris it like Chris that. Chris just
0: made he that just joke. Exactly. I made it first, you and made then the Steven same tried joke. to
3: take it from me.
0: None of us acknowledged it. So I wanted to double tap on that to give you the proper credit, Chris Farrell.
3: Yeah, nice, nice uh, swerve there to try and
0: dump it all on me that you made the joke. I thought it was a good joke and then I said it and then I felt gross. Uh, so I thought I'd dump it back at you. You better watch yourself.
4: Okay, (laughs) moving on. The show that Disney Plus, you know, 15 of that 19 is The Mandalorian. 15 nominations, including outstanding drama series, outstanding voiceover performance, Ike OITD, guest actor Giancarlo Esposito, which he was in like one episode. So that's amazing. Two.
3: I Uh, I thought it was two. I thought he was in like the season finale and the one right before it. Just not for a bunch in that one. He just got his appearance and everyone's like, ooh, this guy's a badass. And he's a badass.
4: He is. Also, production design, editing, that's three episodes, prosthetic makeup, music composition, sound mixing, special visual effects, stunt coordination, cinematography, costume, and sound editing. No big acting awards for this except for a voiceover and a guest actor. A lot of times, when there's not a lot of acting nominations, there's a trend for it to not actually win the big one for a drama series. It's nice that it got nominated for a drama series. I could probably see why it didn't get a lead actor nomination. I guess it's kind of hard to evaluate someone who walks around in a mask and, a, you know, that helmet all the time.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I ha- talked a little bit about my issues with having the main character be behind a helmet. That it actually took me out a few times. And and the thing is, uh, watching the the series that they did that talked a little bit behind it, th- there was a lot of times that it wasn't. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, in there. So I I completely agree. Uh, I think it's also not fair for them to evaluate who is the one actually acting at that point. And for me, I have to say. That was a big takeaway for me in that entire series. Uh, I had troubles connecting specifically with that individual actor. Uh, I will say, however, I believe that um uh what's her name? Gina Carano deserved to be nominated on this. Uh, she was phenomenal in this and uh just has the right acting for the role in a very feeling authentic way. And uh I think that. It's a shame she's not on this list.
3: The, it's criminal. Some of the women that weren't nominated across the board when it comes to the Emmys, especially when you start talking about uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. Yeah. It's criminal. Some of the women that weren't nominated and still have yet to have been. But going back to The Mandalorian, I was super excited that they got a music nod because Ludwig Göransson, which I probably screwed up his name. Fantastic. I didn't realize how long he'd been involved in things. He's a young dude. Like he did all the music on Community. And he became friends with donald glover so then he started doing music with childish gambino and he just kind of spread out doing music all over the place and i really enjoyed if you watched the uh, the disney plus series the behind the scenes stuff the mandalorian the piece on the music was fantastic how he's like yeah i had to get this one synthesizer that there's not many of them left but it had that perfect sound and he starts talking about why this synthesizer is perfect for the mandalorian the music fantastic in it and uh let's be honest Giancarlo Esposito totally deserves that nod, even for a guest star, because in that 1.1 episodes he was in, he's fantastic. Every time he's on screen, you can't look away and he's terrifying. But at the same time, you're like, I can't help but listen to everything he's saying. I'm on the edge of my seat. He's a phenomenal actor and he has been teasing that he wants to get involved with the MCU. So I'm hoping that they bring him in. And uh, I don't think this is what it'll actually be. I want him to be Professor Xavier. Just saying it right now. Mm. Mm. Let, let's put that on its head.
0: SP is holding so, up the, the baby Yoda.
3: The child. No, the
2: child. I'm with in baby Yoda. Cup. Camp.
0: No. With it is cup. the child.
2: The child with baby cup. Yoda. The
0: cup. No, adv- I, th-
2: I think the child should have been nominated. It was amazing acting. I don't care if it was CGI or not. The child deserved a nomination. It was a and also the robot deserved a nomination. I know Taika Waititi got the nomination, but the robot deserved the nomination too.
4: Okay. Moving on to a comedy. I put this in here because I have like a whole bunch of call, co- a whole bunch of coworkers telling me I need to watch the show. and the show's Me too. Shits Creek. It's a comedy series on pop Michelle, TV.
0: watch your manner or your mouth. Whatever it is you say is that.
2: It's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T. It's a Canadian series, It is Stephen. And it has a bunch of actors in it that you would be familiar with.
4: First, it's nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh, Lead actor, Eugene Levy. Lead actress, Catherine O'Hara. Love her. Supporting actress, Annie Murphy. Supporting actor, Daniel Levy. And then casting contemporary costumes, directing, editing for two episodes, writing for two episodes, contemporary hairstyle and sound mixing. I had no idea there were categories for contemporary costumes and contemporary hairstyles.
0: Hey, us Canadians, if we can't win an award, we make up a category.
4: Well, I know there's, uh, they're, they've actually, I guess, probably have separated because there's categories for sci-fi fantasy costumes and different types of hairstyles. So I think that's probably why we have the two different categories. So,
0: I've never seen this, I'll be honest.
4: I think I'm going to have to check it out because so many people are telling me that it's funny, so...
0: Yeah, I'm in the same situation. I've had a lot of people say the same thing. So may- maybe in this lull of television that we're about to have between now and January. Um, yeah, maybe that's a good idea.
2: I checked out a episode because an actor from Defiance was in it. So I thought it was neat, but haven't had time to go back and watch any of it.
0: So what you're saying is that you're the Shit's Keep Creek expert on this podcast. Is that what you're saying? I've I've watched an
3: episode as well. I just didn't oh. really get hooked. And I said, I need to come back and watch it at a later date. So we've
0: got two experts. Wow. That's fantastic. I'm also, I'm also the Letter Kenny expert because I've
3: watched a little over a season. You should like that show, Steven. It's also Canadian. I
0: know. That's like a, such a Canadian cult classic already. <laughs> and I also have not seen that.
3: So you don't want to make a Letter Kenny podcast with me where we just talk about I do know how this- it's funny and you explain the Canadian gags to me, the dumb American?
0: take that offline uh, but but actually i do know this though uh peter pattern let's get at her i, I yes! know that that's a lot i know that so
4: next we have westward west world with 11 nominations i have to admit i forgot the show was still on the air uh nominations include supporting actor jeffrey wright supporting actress sandy newton and then a bunch of again pr- Technical ones, production design, cinematography, interactive extension, main t- title design, prosthetic makeup, sound editing, sound mixing, visual effects, and costumes. I have no idea what interactive extension means. I haven't had time to look that up, but that sounds like an interesting hmm. category.
0: Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> is that like what? a hair extension that's like robotic or something like that?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the, the whole point of Westworld is you're dealing with androids that are programmed to act like humans, right? And the thing about Westworld is, if you haven't seen it before, season one is a time travel show. And you'll figure it out until the last episode.
0: I'm curious what that is, too. I don't know. But that, that's a good question, Michelle. And maybe we'll have to come back to that because maybe, maybe that's the category where Baby Yoda should have fit into place. I don't know.
4: Next, we have Stranger Things with eight nominations. Of course, this is from Netflix outstanding drama series, interactive extension of a linear program, stunt coordination, music supervision, editing, sound mixing, sound editing, special visual effects. So again, no acting nominations for Stranger Things, which is surprising because I thought Millie Bobby Brown would have gotten nominated for playing Eleven.
0: This surprised me in the opposite way that I don't think it deserves to be on the list. Um, I don't know that they've really done anything anything that puts them ahead of everything else in this current year. Uh, I, d- I don't know that there was really any new offerings this year. Like, as as an overall series, I guess you could maybe make that argument, but it's a lot of the same and in some ways a step down. I don't know that it deserved to be on the list. Yeah, and Sean
2: Astin in the season.
4: That was last season.
3: Yeah. Right. I've not seen the show, so I can't speak to it.
4: Next, we have What We Do in the Shadows has eight nominations. This is on FX, uh, Outstanding Comedy Series, three episodes for writing, and then production design, casting, editing, sound editing for two episodes, and cinematography.
3: I love this show. And it's nice that one of the writing nominations they got was the episode that had Mark Hamill on it as Jim the Vampire. Oh, this show is fantastic it's super quirky super weird if you enjoyed what we do in the shadows the movie i think the show is better it's it's insanely quirky strange and just a barrel of laughs and the entire cast it's just fun i I love it i'm so happy for them i hope they win something there i would love to see them win for the jackie daytona episode featuring mark hamill as jim the vampire
0: i'll be honest i've never heard of the show until today have you heard of the movie "What
3: We Do in the Shadows"? No. So the premise is a documentary film crew is following around three vampires as they live their life. Hmm, it's pretty delightful.
0: Interesting. No, nope. not familiar.
4: I've started to watch it. They have an office. They have a guy who works in an office who is an energy vampire. <laughs> just take Colin Robinson. <laughs> so I, I I need to continue to watch it, but I'm eager to. Another show that I'm going to miss is The yeah. Good Place. It has six nominations. This was on NBC. Outstanding comedy series. Outstanding lead actor, Ted Danson. Uh, supporting actress, Darcy Carden. Guest actress, Maya Rudolph, who played the judge, who has a thing for Timothy Oliphant, I believe. That's how you pronounce his name. Who doesn't? And, yeah, supporting <laughs> actor, William Jackson Harper, who plays Chidi. And writing. Oh, so yeah. R C. Cardin really deserves it. That one episode where she's playing everybody. And then there's an episode where with all the different Janets, the roller skating, she is just amazing. I hope she actually wins this one
0: totally one hundred percent agree. Um, I just saw the news about a league of their own getting a TV series. Uh, I am interested in checking out the series just based on the fact that she is in it because she was fantastic in this.
3: This show's problem is going to be that everyone in it is so good and everything about it is so good. So it's really hard to be like, oh, actor X is better than actor Y. when you're like, they're all really good. And it's an ensemble. Fantastic show.
0: Yeah, a really good show. Uh, definitely worth watching. Um I'm good where it ended. We talked before and here that Chris disagrees with me that he thinks it should have kept going. I'm not sure where what, Michelle landed. When did on I this. say that? You did. You said to me, "You're like, oh, I, I disagree. I think that it should, should keep going." I, I'm pretty sure you did. So I'm pretty
4: sure
3: I said this is one of those endings that actually nailed the ending.
0: Hmm. It,
4: it did. It sticks the ending. It might have been before
0: the actual ending that you were saying to me you, you wanted to see it go longer. Uh, so I'm not. I'm what? not going to say you said that after that after it was done, but um, I think you did. You did. S- you did disagree with my assessment that it was kind of plateauing. But it was good. It was definitely worth definitely worth watching.
4: Picard got five nominations. This is, of course, from CBS All Access, oh. but they are technical ones. Sound editing, sound mixing, character hairstyling, character makeup, and prosthetic makeup. Too bad. No Patrick Stewart nomination.
0: I was going to say, I think we can make the assessment that the character hairstyling is not in regard to Patrick Stewart. I think we can assume that.
2: Well, you don't know. <laughs> he could have had a had a cap on.
0: Uh, I am disappointed that that's all that they got, but I'm not surprised in any any sense of the word.
2: Has Patrick Stewart won anything? In his entire career,
0: he won something for Inner Light, didn't he? Thought so. I don't know. Oh. Let's look at the Google machine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I was just looking at his IMDb, but I can't find any awards on it on his page. I, I'm I'm shocked. It, for a, Actually,
4: a it's interesting. Yeah? Wiki, Wikipedia does a better job with yeah collecting that than IMDb. Oh wait,
3: they a have a he's, whole he's got. Of honors
2: uh three golden globe nominations and then 20 wins but i don't know
3: he also has a grammy award he won for best spoken word album for children in 1996 won a best supporting actor nod for the laurence livier awards in 1979 for antony and cleopatra north carolina films his Grammy was for a different. His Grammy was for right. his Christmas. Stuff what was the something. other award? You didn't specify uh, the Lawrence Olivier Awards Best oh, okay. Supporting Actor. He also won in two thousand nine a Lawrence Olivier Award for Hamlet Best Supporting Actor.
2: He's got a twenty eighteen Saturn Award winner for Best Supporting Actor for Logan,
3: and a nineteen ninety for Best Genre Actor.
0: Hmm. So what we're saying is he got robbed. That's that's yep. the moral of this story.
3: Well, it doesn't even show up as like any Academy Award nominations and stuff yeah. on here. that I'm seeing his performance was phenomenal. He
2: played somebody that was a lot more older and frailer than he actually was.
0: Totally agree. It,
2: it was a great performance.
0: Yeah.
3: His problem, I think, when it comes to getting nominated for things is he's got the stink of comic book movies and sci-fi TV shows on him. So people are like, Logan, who cares about that? When you're like, no, if you watch Logan, Sir Patrick Stewart's fantastic in it. The way he portrays that weakened character who's lost everything, but is sort of clinging on to the bare minimum of hope at the end that things may get fixed. He's a phenomenal actor. It's just he was doing a lot of his work in a day where people like, ugh, comic book movie gross or
0: or Star Trek, right? Or Star. Yeah. No, Star Trek. Oh yeah, Not Star Trek. I don't Star like that Star Trek. Trek. I don't like Star Trek. What has Darth Vader ever done for this this television <laughs> show?
4: I find it interesting that sometimes there are actors who make it seem so effortless. A lot of nominations go to people who are like, "I am acting. See me act." And there are those sometimes where it's just so seamless, and it. It doesn't look like they're acting when so, really they are.
0: That's exactly my point about um, Gina Carano. Uh, is is she? She is like she, she just slides into that role and it just feels very authentic. It's very so,
3: good. So Stephen, let me put it this way: Had Gina Carano gotten nominated for an award and Rhea Seahorn hadn't as Kim Wexler and Better Call Saul, that would be criminal. And she still True. did not get nominated again this year, which True. continues to be criminal because she steals the show
0: on Better Call Saul. That's fair. Which takes us to the next point that Michelle has here.
4: Yes, uh, we have Outstanding Drama. I wanted to fill this out. Better Call Saul got nominated, which is AMC, The Crown from Netflix, The Handmaid's Tale, that's Hulu, Killing Eve, BBC, Ozark from Netflix, and Succession from HBO. And a couple of other things that I thought was interesting. Um, Billy Porter, lead actor from Pose. I love Pose. It's, it makes you laugh and cry in the same episode. It's amazing. Lead actress in a drama, Jennifer Aniston. And I bring this up because it's the morning show on Apple TV. I have no idea about this show, what this show's about. And all of a sudden, I think it's probably, it's Jennifer Aniston. She has that name power, that star power, not only from friends, but from films. So she does have this certain stature.
2: Not only I just, that, there's a lot of marketing that these studios put out for certain actors and shows to get at least nominated for different things. And then they put on the full core press to try to buy votes, basically, with their marketing on it. So I'm not surprised at uh, Apple TV has jennifer aniston because that's their marquee actor on a show right now
3: it's important to that and i'm not trying to take away from a nomination i haven't seen the show but it makes sense from apple's point of view that when you've got a big name on a show that was relatively okay by all accounts that you want to push them so that people are mentioning your service especially in year one i mean this is year one of apple tv plus or whatever that gets actually called so i'm sure the marketing machine was behind it also being like hey and Jennifer Aniston should nominate her for this so that they can continue to be like, hey, we've got Emmy-nominated lead actress Jennifer Aniston on this. And that's street cred for them, for lack of a better term. Because remember, for a long time, when it came to Emmy nominations, there was that glass ceiling that streaming services couldn't break through because the, was, everyone looked yeah, down their nose at them.
2: trying to remember yeah. the first year that Netflix was nominated, and I, I believe it was Netflix. I just don't know what year that was.
3: Netflix, it might have been Amazon Prime got one at the same time, too. I can't remember. Okay. So had a couple cool years ago. Yeah. I want to say 2012, but I don't know if that's 100% oh, right. That was more than a couple of years ago.
0: I don't remember. Um, I probably won't ever watch the show just because of the fact that my schedule doesn't allow that I can usually watch a television show only in the morning, so I don't know how I'll watch the morning show since it's only available to be watched during morning hours.
2: In 23- This is Wikipedia. In 2013, Netflix became the first streaming platform Close. to win a primetime Emmy Award for House of Cards became the first original online-only web series to receive major nominations for the 65th Primetime Emmy Awards.
4: And a couple of others, Giancarlo Esposito actually has another nomination for Supporting Actor in Better Call Saul, Mm -hmm. and Andre Brouwer, Supporting Actor Comedy for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He is, he plays, I don't know how he does it, because it's so. It's just a straight man and deadpan and hilarious.
0: One hundred percent. He uh, totally deserves the win. Uh, I, like I do not laugh as much at nothing with him. Like that. That's the best way to describe it. Is the lines are are like nothing, but it's all in the delivery and the timing and and it's just phenomenal. Ah. Uh, I, I've i laughed the whole way through with that character.
4: Yeah, I love that show, and it's coming back. It's nice. Yeah, Boy,
3: it's a stacked category, though, as I'm going to look and see who else is nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Mahershala Ali, Keenan Thompson, Daniel Levy, William Jackson Harper, Alan Arkin, Sterling K. Brown, and Tony Shalhoub. That's a stacked category. Yeah. That's going to be tough.
0: He deserves the win. He he does. Uh, I thanks don't know, for, man, <laughs> for uh, rounding that all up, Michelle. I do greatly appreciate that. Definitely some interesting things on there. Again, a uh, couple that I don't think should be on there. Some things that Chris says should be on there, even though I'm clearly right uh, and he's wrong. But uh, definitely uh, interesting to follow because I don't really watch award shows themselves. However, I do enjoy following the process. I I enjoy seeing. Who gets nominated that rightfully should, should and people who get completely screwed over like a uh, Reese Seahorn, like completely screwed over. So multiple uh, years, multiple years. I enjoy the process and get mad. So thank you very much, Michelle.
4: It took years of campaigning to get Tatiana Mas... Um, Masali, Mas- I think, Back. or
3: something like that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. for Orphan ba- For Orphan Black, who plays every single clone. And it took years of just from the network, from the fans, to get her nomination.
3: There's misses all over the place. And part of it, again, goes back to that bias of, ew, you're this kind of show. Because let's be honest, the fact that Edward James almost never got a single nomination for best actor in mm-hmm. a drama is ridiculous. Because Bill Adama was one of the best acted or portrayed characters on that show. Same with Mary McDonnell as Laura Roslin. Both those two. Should have been at least nominated once during the four year run of Battlestar Galactica.
2: Nominated? Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, every character, just about every single character that he did, should have had a nomination. Mary McDonald, a great part of her career, probably should have been up there too, including her portrayal of the president's wife in Independence Day.
0: I've never seen that movie. What's that about? Welcome to Earth and fireworks.
4: (laughs) America. America. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on
0: to the next news point here, which comes courtesy of Chris Farrell and his love of Apple. Well, we're out of time, Stephen, so that's it for my news. (laughs) Would you prefer if I'd set it up this way? (laughs) This next news story comes from Chris Farrell and his love of Microsoft. Well, we're out of time, Stephen, so back to you. <laughs> I actually think the first one was was better for you. Uh, let's go ahead, though, and hear what's going on in the world of Microsoft getting mad at Apple. Yeah, Microsoft and Apple going back
3: to war with each other. So if you're not familiar, Microsoft recently announced that their project, xCloud Service, is about to go live. That will allow for cloud gaming on a variety of different platforms. September 15th is the official launch of xCloud, so long as you are a Game Pass subscriber and you'll be able to play it on a variety of platforms. Just none of your iOS devices, even though if you've been in the beta, you might've been testing Project xCloud on an iPad, for instance. Yeah, iOS users are getting left out. Now we know exactly why. Apple won't allow these products similar to the xCloud service because of their strict App Store guidelines that make cloud services like xCloud, also Google Stadia, NVIDIA's GeForce Now, effectively impossible to operate on the iPhone, iPad, etc. Now why is that? Well, they did come out in a statement they made to Business Insider that these kind of cloud services are a violation of App Store guidelines and cannot in their current forms ever exist on iOS. The primary they offer access, excuse me, the primary reason they offer access to apps that Apple can't individually review. So here was Apple's exact statement in uh, you can see the PR spin is quite heavy on it. As I say, the App Store was created to be a safe and trusted place for customers to discover and download apps and a great business opportunity for all developers. Side note, after Apple takes their 30% cut. Before they go on to our store, all apps are reviewed against the same set of guidelines that are intended to protect customers and provide a fair and level playing field to developers. Our customers enjoy great apps and games from millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch on the App Store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. In addition to the App Store, developers can choose to reach all iPhone and iPad users over the web through Safari and other browsers in the App Store. So Apple's argument here, they can't individually review every game that's offered the 100 plus as part of the xCloud service. You know, those games that are already reviewed by the SRB that put a rating on it to say, what age groups should play it, and things like that. Yeah, so Microsoft continued and said they are still interested in making xCloud and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions available on iOS devices. In their press statement, they also referenced the ESRB and other regional equivalents to the U.S. Video Game Rating Board as evidence that Apple could use third-party content evaluation in deciding whether to allow cloud gaming apps onto iOS. But as it stands right now, Apple's not willing to play ball. In Microsoft's statement, they said all games available in the Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by independent industry rating bodies such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We are committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to the iOS platform. They continue to say they don't know what they're going to do to make this happen. So what's going on here? Apple's trying to protect their their app ecosystem here. Why? Well, cloud gaming is kind of a threat to it. Because if you go and look in there right now, two reasons, Apple has their Apple Arcade service that you can get on iOS devices and also on the Apple TV that basically allows you to play a select group of iOS games you may have played already. Not AAA games for the most part, but a lot of the games you've already seen come out there. But more importantly, Apple gets their cut off of every game you buy from the App Store. They get their cut off of every microtransaction you get from the App Store. And I was reading an article today that said, if you go look at the top 100 apps on the App Store today, game-wise, 99 of them have microtransactions in them. Apple wants that sweet, sweet 30% cut of all microtransactions that go through. So what's going to happen if you approve something like Google Stadia, NVIDIA GeForce Now, Microsoft's Project xCloud? People stop buying as many apps because they subscribe to what is equivalently the Netflix of video games and play games they're buying or renting through Microsoft. And they aren't using the App Store to go and buy new games, get new microtransactions, things like that. So while Apple claims they're trying to protect the customer by making sure that games that are already rated and reviewed for content don't come to you to be able to play, no, it seems to me this is more a play to maintain their stranglehold on how they operate the App Store and their cut of the money they get. Uh, it makes me kind of glad I'm on an Android phone. I wish I was on an Android tablet, because let's be honest, with these cloud-based services, all you really need is a browser and app to be able to play. You don't need great horsepower to do this gaming. That's what's so intriguing about it. And arguably, this is seen by many to be the wave of the future when it comes to video games. And Apple kind of just saying, nah, we ain't having none of that.
0: I don't get it. All I know is that I don't like being on Android anymore now that I've read this because I don't feel safe and trusted. I mean, but I
3: will say this in all fairness, the App Store uh, review process tends to be better than the Google Play review process.
0: It is, it is. but this is, you're, you nailed it. This is 100% BS. And this goes back many, many years. You remember when uh, when Comixology had their big thing with Apple? It was a big problem. It's, it's, Apple just needs to stop spinning this and just say, that's not what we do. We want our money.
3: The argument, though, that we can't be sure that these games have been reviewed and, and things like that, that's completely asinine, though, because every game that goes out anymore is reviewed by the ESRB or the Peggy, I think it's called in Europe, in the equivalent reviewing bodies across the
0: world. This is no. The other thing is like there have been actual malwares type things through Safari on the Internet. And if there are ways that people have been able to hijack iPhones and things through ways that are not through the app stores. Like, this does not hold water just because you have a browser that is open to the world. So it's...
3: As it is now, xCloud does not work in a browser through iOS. You had to have, when it was in beta, an application that they have now since disabled, since the beta is over, to be able to access Project xCloud. And the same on Android devices. You're not accessing via a browser. You're accessing via an application you've downloaded.
4: Oh
0: well, I guess we'll just go and cry, cry in the corner because Stargate Pioneer won't be joining us. Uh, Michelle, I think you said you might be joining, switching to Android soon. I think you said at one point maybe. So for now, we'll ha- we'll have <laughs> optimism that you're gonna you're gonna be able to join Chris and I in this, and SP will be left all out, all alone. Kind
2: of hoping with the Apple TV sixth generation that they'll have some pass through on gaming on that, because that's one of the big reasons that they're making it, is they want to have it to be compatible with gaming, right? So, Well, they can
3: already do it, it's just Apple Arcade games, which I haven't really gone to see what is currently in the Apple Arcade, but the last time I looked I was like, ew.
0: Well, uh, you should maybe reach out to John Prosser about that there. Who? You talking about Jake Prager? Yes, that's right, Jake Jake Prager, yes.
3: (laughs) Prosser! Yeah, I mean, I just went to the Apple Arcade. Games in there are like Sneaky Sasquatch, Sonic Racing, Spider, Crossy Road Castle, Lego Brawl. So they're all like like cell phone games that normally would have microtransactions and stuff in there. It's not like you're getting Red Dead Redemption or you're getting Cyberpunk 2077 or Halo or anything like that. That's why you
2: need Apple TV 6th
3: generation to be able to play those games. But they're not going to be an Apple Arcade, so how are you going to play them?
0: There's no, there's no way that an Apple TV is going to be more powerful than the latest uh, iPhone. I mean, in theory, well, yeah, if the next generation should have
2: what the A14 chip in it, right?
0: But the uh, iPhone will be more powerful if it's not that immediate year, the year after. (laughs)
3: The problem you're going to run into with Apple TV is it's got a great CPU, but where's the GPU? If you're going
2: to do
0: triple A games, you need a GPU.
2: Maybe it's right underneath it. I don't know. On the The, the, board. I I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, anyways, ask Jake about that. Uh, Michelle, is there there anything you'd like to chime in about this?
4: It's just Apple being Apple. I'm not really surprised.
0: Are you going to switch? Hashtag switch.
4: I've been debating about doing so. It just depends on the phones that come out this year.
3: I will say this, it probably didn't help that it's Samsung's last unpacked event. They announced their partnership with Microsoft to do xCloud on all Samsung
0: devices. <laughs> so Apple <laughs> might have been a little pissed off about that too. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to the next news point here, which is about SN5 snoring. What? Oh, soaring. Sorry.
2: Well, maybe it snored. I don't know. Did you actually listen to it?
0: I don't know. I I don't pay attention to anything space-related unless you tell me about it.
2: I think I told you about this because I messaged it to you in our private chat. It was an amazing feat. It was the first hop test that the Starship development prototype has had since the hopper itself. I believe it's like something like a year and a half. Did you guys actually see the flight?
0: I did did not. I, I, I do follow these things usually, but I actually did not follow this.
2: All right. So it was tweeted out there. I sent you guys the tweet. I have put it in the chat. So go ahead, click on the link while I'm talking about this. So the spaceship Starship SN5 prototype soared on its first test flight. And Elon Musk says Mars is looking real good. I got most of this information from a space.com article from Mike Wall. Love you, Mike Wall. And he wrote that the Starship SN5 test vehicle Took to the skies for about forty seconds last Tuesday, August fourth, twenty twenty, at SpaceX's facilities near the South Texas village of my favorite town, Boca Chica. Buk-a-chika, Buk-a-chika, Buk-a-chika. The stainless steel SN Five rose into the air at seven fifty-seven p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The SN Five traveled sideways a bit during the brief on crude flight, which Musk had previously said would target a maximum altitude of about five hundred feet or one hundred fifty meters. Steven, I think they got us on our drones and altitude because we can only go up to 400 feet. So they went 100 feet higher than we can.
0: Which, by the way, I did see this. I actually now that I've seen this, I did actually see a clip of it on Facebook because it looked very raw, very like, I don't know, basically like um, a trash can going going up and down. That's pretty much what it looked like. I, I forgot that that's what it was. So I did see this. And if I have to be honest, I, I'm a little disappointed. You said it was uncrewed, but to me, like, it looks very raw. It's very crude.
2: Yeah, unmanned. Uh, I mean, unastronaut, astronaut Oh, Oh, you
0: mean that? Oh, you don't yeah. mean like like raw, unrefined. Oh. No, oh. no, I don't.
2: We've had this conversation before. I don't like saying uncrewed because I don't like that term anyway. The spacecraft, the SN5, deployed its landing legs as it planned and stuck the landing. It sure did if you actually watched it. And what concerned me a little bit was the flames coming out from the bell, from the side of the bell. But I guess that was all part of the uh, the turbo that fed the... The, the coolant into the rocket bell or something like that. I, I don't know specifically.
0: I have an answer for you on that, SP. Uh, do you know why that is that there was flames? Because people were enjoying this so much that they really did slam that notification bell. That's what that was. They were slamming it.
2: Okay. That's so it good.
0: Fire. It caught fire. Cause so many people were slamming it.
2: People were live streaming this people. They had an attempt Monday night as we were podcasting last week. And it was scrubbed and then they tried again on Tuesday it was this I've never seen such a uh, a crowd a fan mentality on space since way back in the Apollo program really I mean everybody was kind of excited a little bit about the space shuttle at the beginning but nothing like this so this is great to see this and the ability to live stream these events so it was live stream this is one of the reasons why it got out because People placed cameras, and they were live streaming the test site for hours on end, waiting for this test to happen. Okay, so the SN5 actually is just the second Starship prototype to get off the ground, the first to do so in nearly a year and a half. A squat and stubby vehicle called the Starhopper, which I believe was actually at the test flight and in between the two pads. So if you take a look, I think that's Starhopper there, and it took a few brief flights in the summer of 2019. And it retired after acing its only its own 500-foot high hop in August of 2019. Now, several of SN5's predecessors, which was a bigger actual tank size of the Starship, were destroyed during pressurization or engine firing tests. We've talked about all four. Starhopper and the SN5 both feature a single Raptor engine, which is SpaceX's most powerful next generation engine. The final Starship will sport six Raptors, not the Ford Raptor, it's a Raptor rocket engine, stand about 165 feet tall, and be capable of carrying up to 100 people all the way to Mars. The operational Starship will launch from Earth atop a gigantic rocket, which right now is called Super Heavy. We'll see what it actually ends up being called, which will have 31 Raptors of its own. Both vehicles will be fully and rapidly reusable, potentially slashing the cost of spaceflight enough to make crewed trips, person trips, to and from the moon, Mars, and other deep space destination economically feasible. Now, Super Heavy will land back on Earth after each liftoff. Starship will be powerful enough to get on its own to Mars and back, the moon and back. So that's going to be really cool to watch. I mean, I would love to actually be on the surface of the moon and Mars when it happens, but that's probably not going to happen. A lot of development still needs to get done. And there's the Super Heavy, which, of course, no version of which has been built yet, let alone get off the ground. So, I mean, we'll see. Super Heavy is basically SpaceX's version of the SLS, and both have had delays in their development. If all goes well, though, for SpaceX, we could see Starship and Super Heavy flying together in the coming years. SpaceX system is a contender to land NASA astronauts on the moon in the mid-2020s and beyond. This is the Japanese billionaire Yasu Yasaku Mabzawa, I believe is how you say his name, has booked a flight of Starship around the moon with a target launch date of 2023. The test of the SN5 just comes two days, by the way. We talked about it last week and the week before. After SpaceX successfully returned the Dragon Crewed Capsule Demo 2 missions to Earth. Just crewed. Find a different word, NASA.
0: The occupied. I like that. Uh, and I was going to make a DS9 joke, but we'll leave that alone. Uh, okay, so here, here's the thing that I'm a little uncertain about with all of this question here. Is is SpaceX going inside the bubble, or are the players coming out of the bubble? Because that's a lot of Raptors that are involved with this, and I'm assuming that you're talking about the Toronto Raptors. Sure.
2: Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, It takes a team of... Ba- it's basketball, right? Yeah. It takes a whole team of basketball players in order to lift this thing up.
0: Chris, I was giving you an opportunity to talk about the bubble. You like the bubble. You like the NBA bubble.
3: I think it was a smart way to try and make sports happen, but that's really not a topic for this show. <laughs> you know, the, it, where they're having the bubble is where my
2: daughter has danced You know, her entire uh, high school career. We're, pretty familiar with the compound and I think it was a wise choice for the NBA to try to do something like that there. Besides, they're not using it for anything. It's not like they're having dance competitions or cheer competitions or and gymnastic competitions there. There's none of that going on. So might as well use it for NBA.
4: I wish I was a billionaire so I could go to space. I totally would do it.
2: I don't think you're going to need to be a billionaire with a hundred people on each starship, I think in a few years, you know, like that other, I, I'm i not going to say the name of the company because I know Steven's going to make a joke out of it. There's this Virgin other company Galactic. out there. I, If you prefer, Steven, you could go ahead and say Virgin the name yourself.
0: Galactic.
2: I am not going to say it. So this other company out there is charging $250,000 for like a one hour flight, 90 minute flight, something like that. I think that price is going to come down. Because you've got 100 people and they're actually going to go. It's going to be a one-way trip, though. Are you willing to do a one-way trip, Michelle?
4: Sure, why not? Okay. I mean, by then I'll be old enough. I mean, bring my cat. Uh,
2: I don't know if you can bring a cat, though. That That's a good question. I wonder if pets can go.
4: Oh, that's that's... I have to be able to bring my cat. I can't I, leave my cat behind.
2: I think, you know, in order to make a functional society, you have to bring farm animals along. And if you're bringing farm animals along, there's going to be mice. And if you bring mice, you gotta have to have cats to catch the mice. So I think you'd be
4: good. I don't know. Well, I'm waiting for the trips to the moon, mm-hmm. you know, there and back again type of things. So that definitely would do that.
0: That'd be fun. Unfortunately, all of us will have our souls crushed when we start to go up there and realize that the Earth is indeed flat. It'll be it'll be sad.
3: Hey, Stephen, what company are you going to pick to fly with when it goes time to go to space?
0: Uh, SpaceX. I I like SpaceX. (laughs) (gasps) And if if they're full, I'll definitely take the Virgin. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to the next. The Virgin Galactic. Virgin Galactic. Let's move on to our last news point here is all about Disney Plus. Disney Plus is doing some, uh, let's call them interesting things because Disney Plus has announced that Mulan is going to be released directly through them. So you're saying that sounds fantastic, Steven. A movie that was supposed to be released, the live action Mulan in theaters is now going to be hitting Disney Plus. Fantastic. That's why I signed up for Disney Plus early. That's why I subscribed, because I knew that that would be the exclusive place that I could get Disney content once it hit the stream, and all for a low, low price. Well, hold your horses there, Michelle, because Disney CEO Bob uh, Shappick has said that the premiere of Mulan will be a, quote, premier access, end quote, on September 4th for $29.99 U.S., the film uh, was originally supposed to be in the theaters, so the places that do not have Disney+, Plus, they will still release this theatrically in those areas. Now, they have said that they're looking at Mulan as a one-off, and and they're making it very clear that you shouldn't be thinking other ones are going to be coming out anytime soon. A lot of rumors kicked up over the weekend about Black Widow maybe having this. And at the moment, those are quickly being shot down. And them saying that, no, this is a one off thing. Quote, we find it very interesting to take a premier offering to consumers at that $29.99 price and learn from it. And they also had said that the premier access window created on Disney Plus for Mulan will act as a fairly large stimulus for new consumers to sign up for the streaming services. Basically, they're hoping that people want to see this, pay the $30, and keep going on Disney+. Now, things got a little bit weird because the following day after this announcement, there was a bit of an update on this during a earnings call, and there's confusion because it almost sounded like there would be this option of $29.99 to Per, to purchase or rent it, whatever it is, also available for non Disney Plus subscribers. So there's a lot of questions about this. Do you have to have Disney Plus already? Is this something that you can rent without having Disney Plus? And the biggest question how long will you have access to this? We were having a bit of a group chat over the weekend. I know the four of us here about this. And we all were, were wondering all of these questions, including how long will you own access to this? Because it sounded like it might end up being indefinitely, which in that case would end up essentially being like an extended rental, because obviously once it hits Disney Plus proper, because it will, eventually it will hit just Disney Plus regular after enough times gone by, everybody will have access to that. So if if this ends up being a long thing where you pay $29.99 and then you have access until it hits Disney Plus proper, then it's not terrible, especially if it's something you want to watch over and over and over. But if it is something that is like a 48-hour thing, then you got to make that decision. Is this worth watching one time? I know there was a lot of thoughts to be had about this $30 price tag. So I'll turn it over here first to Michelle. Michelle, what's your thoughts on this?
4: My Thought is, I know if you go to the theater a lot, if you are somebody who is like, okay, this new movie came out, I got to go see it. In some areas, tickets are $15. And if you go with somebody, there's the $30. And if you go to the theater, you have people who are eating and people who are being gross. And perhaps you would take your kids to it. And I think it makes sense if you've got a big family who wants to see this right away. However, it would just be for me, $30. I can actually go to a matinee where I live and actually go for like seven bucks. And possibly, you know, cheaper depending on when I go and what day I go. I don't need to see a lot of movies right away. Black Widow, this would be a different discussion for me if it was Black Widow or New Mutants, something that I know we would want to like see and talk about, especially on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or just something that really interests me. This might be a little, but I am confused. I'm not going to pay $30 for 48 hours. That is, I can go and rent movies for $7 for 48 hours. Um, again, I think there's just a lot of unknowns. Do you get a benefit for being a Disney Plus subscriber? I really think you should have some sort of benefit for being a Disney Plus subscriber, either a lower price or the ability to perhaps have that rental for a week or more. And if you don't have Disney Plus, maybe it's the same price, but you only have it for the 48 hours or something. I do, I subscribe to Disney Plus. I do want to have an extra benefit that non Disney subscribers would have.
3: Yeah. I and, thought Disney said you got it indefinitely. I don't think it was it announced. 30, I
4: know, I'm I pretty never sure saw sure it was in, it
2: in the concrete. press
0: announcement. Mm. I know we had a lot of questions about it. I never because saw anything Because we had concrete. questions,
3: then we pulled the article where they said that was the case of what they were doing.
2: Variety went back and asked questions, and there was still some the, unanswered.
3: The thing that was in flux was whether you had to be a Disney Plus subscriber to purchase Mulan was the last I recall. Which, that's neither here nor there. This is Disney trying something different because nobody's going to movie theaters even when they reopen. Let's be honest. Yeah. Do you want to go sit in a movie theater with a bunch of people who take their mask off to eat popcorn, hack, and act like idiots in the best of days when there's not a pandemic? I think not. I wouldn't mind so
2: little known fact, my work rents out whole theaters to go see some of these movies when they first come out. Like the last Star Wars movie came out. I was offered a seat and I just declined because I had some work going on. But they rent they ended up renting out four screens and Part of your workday, you could go out and you could see Star Wars on one of the four screens. I think it was like 730 in the morning or eight in the morning or something like that on the day that it really on the Friday that it released. And that would have been cool to watch it like as a party with people you knew. I'm okay with that. I am not okay anymore. And I haven't been for quite some time of going into a theater with a bunch of people that I don't know. This is pre-pandemic. I I hated it. I don't like going in there because I'm easily distracted with other people crunching their popcorn or kicking the back of my seat or or something like that. And I just don't like it. And I have a system at home that I can watch it. Here's the other thing. As Michelle said, if it's a movie like Black Widow that we're going to talk about on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm going to see it like three times before... I'm going to try to see it three times mm-hmm. before we podcast on it. So I'm I'm already going to see it three times. And if you count gas and time and stuff like that, it's at least 10 bucks a time, even at the cheap end, and it's probably more expensive than that. 30 bucks turns out to be a steal, especially if I can watch it however many times. And I think it's going to change if this continues. This is going to change movie reviewing because you're going to have a bunch of people actually taking screenshots on their phone, if anything else, and actually using that in their review versus just watching it and then have to use your memory and go back and and uh, review it, podcast yeah. about it, YouTube about it, something like that. So it's going to change the way things go. Things have already started changing because even though I don't use it, I know that you can get a hold of, I don't know, some, some Russian captured cam or, or something like that. <laughs> and And you you can do that on the internet. I don't do that because I like to reward the people that have actually made this stuff. And if I'm going to podcast on it i'm I'm gonna it's one of the ways I can have to play uh, pay them back. and i I honestly do that. I don't go rip off movies and and do it that way. I actually pay to go see them in the theater. So anyway, for me, this makes a heck of a lot of sense for movies that I want to see right away. If it's not a movie i Want to see right away. I will wait the 90 days and I will rent it and yeah. for that 48 hours and I'll be fine with that. Because if that's the way things are going, I'll be fine with that and doing that at home. I've got a backlog of stuff to watch anyway. I'm fine. Of course, I'm AARP age and mm-hmm. you know, I I'm, I'm not 16 or 18. So it's a little bit different for me, I guess.
3: One I, thing to consider is this isn't a move that's unprecedented by Disney when the pandemic started, movies like Trolls World Tour, Invisible Man. Bloodshot and things like that were all in theaters and had been out for like a week. Then all the theaters shut down. So what did yeah. they do? They put them on all of the streaming services for a $20 rental that followed all of those rental models. Once you had started watching it, you had 48 hours to watch, et cetera, things like that. They had pretty decent numbers on that. And it was an inconvenient way for people to go and see this movie that Lord knew when they were going to go be able to see because of the pandemic. So Disney putting it on Disney Plus for $30 Means they get that full $30. bucks. they are not giving, say, 30% to Apple or 20% to Google or 15% to Microsoft or whatever storefront you buy it through for a rental. Disney recoups 100% of the cash. That's an interesting play. And I wasn't going to mention the next point because I think Steven's got something as a follow on.
0: Yeah, I I looked it up. uh, CNET is claiming this uh, quote, as long as you maintain your Disney Plus subscription, you will only have to pay $30 once to watch the film as many times as you like. If you cancel your subscription and resubscribe, you'll have to repurchase the movie. End quote. So uh, that's okay. Um, That makes it a little bit better, especially if it's a movie that you do want to watch multiple times. Uh, You know, I think kids movies would do super well with this because of the fact that there are kids that watch movies and they want to watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. Uh, from my perspective, SP nailed a ton of the things that I I also think. Uh, we talked a long time ago on the show about, I think we ran a poll about would people pay less or more for, for um, being able to see a theater movie at home. And I am one that has for a long time said I would pay more because by the time I go and I get everything together, and I have to plan my day and I have kids and it's not always an easy thing to do to to be able to get that all together, especially if I'm bringing the kids, trying to sit through all of the problems with bringing kids to a movie, even putting that aside, having to coordinate uh, schedules, uh, having to go and spend all the money on everything at the concession. I would rather just watch a movie. I'd rather invest in a good sound system and TV and I would rather just, just sit down on a couch, crack a beer, and just watch it. And you know what? If it is a stupidly long movie like The Avengers was, I can pause it to go pee. Like, you know, it, there's so many benefits. And I, that's why I've always said I, w- I would pay more. And if I if I do want to go and get that big theater experience for whatever, I guess I, I, I could go there. But uh, I don't know. I think Chris has done a good job of proving to us why there are very, very good consumer systems available uh, for for your house now with audio and stuff. So I don't really feel, feel this need to go into the theater. And that's why for a long time, you guys razzed me about not seeing the latest movies because I didn't care for the experience that much.
4: And I think a long time ago, it took a year for things to come on VHS or DVD. This model could work if they decide to delay home release, so to speak, because then people would have to wait six months or something or longer in order to see the movie. Then I think this model could work. I do like watching stuff at home. I am someone who is just people are so gross. They were so gross before the pandemic. I just popcorn everywhere and sticky and just lord lord people can be nasty
0: you do not want to bring a black light into a movie theater mm-hmm.
3: so for comparison point on 4k movies if you buy a 4k blu-ray it's 30 bucks i would wager that when you get mulan on disney plus it's probably going to be 4k hdr dolby atmos so it's the equivalent of just buying a digital copy or the 4K disc and getting the digital copy, which makes it palatable. But the flaw I'm seeing in this that would be annoying to me, especially if like Michelle mentioned, they moved to this model for other movies, you only retain access as long as your Disney Plus subscription is active. That is the catch right there that would annoy me because say Black Widow comes out and they're like, you can get it two months sooner if you buy it on Disney Plus. Okay, that's interesting. But say my credit card number changes and I forget to update it in Disney Plus or I cancel because there's nothing on then I lose a movie that I purchased for 30 bucks. No, no, no. I'll stick with buying the disc and redeeming the copies.
0: I struggle with that argument because I've heard that argument and read that argument on social media over the last week because of the fact that when you go and you spend that $30 in the theater, you're getting it for two hours. That's all you're getting. You're spending $30 for two hours. So you're getting it now for an extended period that if you do cancel your, your Disney Plus subscription, it still has benefited you more than those
3: two hours. We're blurring lines now between me owning a movie and me renting or going to the theater. And and that's the problem. The way this is presented, it kind of mix-mashes those feelings up. So then you're like...
0: Which you need to be clear that it's not. And, And that's where when this whole thing came out about how long it was, some article referred to it as sort of like buying. And I took issue with that because it wasn't buying. It's not buying. And people need to understand it's not buying. And they need to make sure that they bill it in a way of early access pass or whatever, right?
2: My fear is that more services will start to do this, like Voodoo. Yeah, you can have all these movies that you bought, but you need to pay us one ninety nine every month to keep your subscription. Uh, movies any, Anywhere, it's a little bit different because it's Anywhere. I think inherently Prime is kind of like that already, but not because you can stop paying your Prime membership and still own them on your account. See, this can snowball into other services doing this and it's kind of very similar to how the premiere channels used to do it between like HBO and and Showtime so way back 20 years ago when they started streaming on the the cable boxes when you could start to do this. So, my fear is that they continue to do this and it's the only way to quote own the movie and we're just a few short ways few short years away from this actually well, happening.
3: Technically, we don't own the digital movies, yeah. to be honest. If you go and read through the terms and conditions, you don't actually own it. That's why physical media, I may not actually put the disc in the DVD player. I may redeem the digital copy and only use that. But if Voodoo goes away or the terms of service change, they can no longer distribute that version of it, similar to what we've seen with Netflix mm-hmm. pulling a certain episode of Community had Voodoo also pulled it where I own Community digitally. At least I had the discs to go back to to get mm-hmm. it. So that's where physical media is still king and that's where if you have the time and the money to invest in it building your own plex server is the way to go instead of relying on vudu or amazon prime or any of those other things you buy the disc rip it toss in your plex server and call it a day there is still a shelf life
2: on a lot of this stuff in terms of resolution so i have i own a lot of dvds you put a dvd on a 65-inch screen that's meant for 4k it does not look good mm-hmm. and so You might still own it. You can watch it. It's not going to be a pleasurable watching experience. So you really only own it for so long, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. Even the physical copy.
3: You own it so long as you own the copy. I don't care if the quality changes or whatnot. I still own the product if I have the disc. Whether I choose to continue to watch it or not is a different story. I still own it. I own a lot of Robotech VHS tapes,
2: which I still have to get rid of. I can't watch them anymore. I also own the DVDs and they're at least watchable that way, but now I can stream Robotech and mm-hmm. that's even better. So it, it's just an example of in 15 years, there's going to be some other way to consume it at some higher resolution that you're probably going to end up buying it anyway, if it's something that you like. It's- However, I have a a really big extensive DVD collection. I guarantee you that only a, fraction of that i would want to keep
0: well maybe someone should create like this pass for movies that you just pay like a subscription per month and you can see all of these new releases i don't know does that sound like a good idea chris i'm not taking the bait <laughs> <laughs> well that was a fun discussion and i know we could talk a lot more about this whole model if we uh if we wanted to, uh, but we don't have time, and I think we have to go, and I know that Chris Farrell was going to talk about it on C- Cord Slayers. I still own that
3: domain for like two more weeks, unless anyone wants it. Are we talking about an airplane model, like a
2: little car model? Are we talking about like a runway model? What kind of model are we talking about? A
0: virgin model, galactic oh model? Oh my God. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Before we go, Michelle Ely, uh, guess what? Today is Monday, and in two days from now, all of us except for Chris Farrell are going to watch the final episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we'll all... He might watch it. Maybe he will. He might. But he he doesn't watch (laughs) regularly, but we know for sure the three of us, S.P., you, and I, are all going to watch this. And then you do a podcast all week, about this television show? Where can people find that if they're interested in that?
4: Well, we record Thursdays at 9 p.m. and be streamed on Gonna Geek. So yes, as we say every episode, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network.
0: And I have to say that uh, your episode last week, uh, far, far superior than the episodes with me on it. So uh, definitely, I like to set that bar low and I nailed that. You sure did. Uh, SB, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote?
2: I'm going to double promote Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week because it is the finale of coming up. It's basically the finale of Marvel television. There's some caveats there. but So seven long years of the MCU spinoff Marvel TV comes to an end this Wednesday night. It's going to be a two-hour finale. It's two separate episodes, but it's just one packed finale. And... Is it, it, this is going to be a little bit different for me than the Arrow finale. It's, it's a little bit more invested in this one and I hope they stick the landing of it, but it's been seven years, multiple, multiple co-hosts on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the years. Everybody on this podcast has been on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point. So it's going to be the end of an era. The podcast isn't ending, but the focus on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is ending And uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about it on Better Podcasting. So stay tuned for that as well.
0: I heard that uh, you're going to actually change and it'll just be a Legends of Tomorrow podcast because that's what the Legends will be for. That's what I heard.
2: I have the domain.
0: (sighs) Chris, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? I was just going to let you geek shame me some more if you wanted to. (laughs) Uh, Chris Farrell, why am I geek shaming you?
3: Chris Ferrell's not going to watch. Chris Farrell doesn't care.
0: I never said that you is? don't like geek television. But the I implication
3: never said that. was there. I see what you did there.
0: Uh, it's okay. You watch Better Call, Scroll. <laughs> That's, right. That's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Did you find your willy?
3: We did find our willy last week. He was back from vacation. We talked about the Avengers uh, video game beta and the uh, ridiculousness continuing for the Spider-Man exclusive content only on PS4. I'm this new generation of video games is gonna wear me out. Hmm. It's gonna wear me out. Well, I got nothing but plug, sorry.
0: <laughs> on that note, for episode number 342 of the official geek.com show, I'm Steven John Drew saying hashtag bits is dead. Oh.
4: Uh, I'm saying keep calm and trust science.
2: Have fun, just uh, geek out, whatever your geek out is, and uh, just don't be Chris.
3: I'm Chris saying, wear a mask. If you had, we could have had college sports. Have a safe and trusted
0: night. Goodbye.
2: Bye. Bye.